0: Hello, and welcome to Manga splaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read manga before. Hosted by me, Deb Aoki, David Brothers, Christopher Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. Follow along with our show notes and reading lists at Mangasplaining.com. So this week, we are talking about uh, one of my favorite manga. It's A Bride Story by Kaoru Mori. It's published by Yen Press, translated by William Flanagan, and lettered by Abigail Blackman. Um, we're going to be talking about Volume 1. Volume 1, did come out as a beautiful hardcover, but it is also available in digital, because I was thinking of you, Chip. Aww, so <laughs> sweet. Because there's only so many hardcover books <laughs> that I can force you to order from a comic <laughs> shop. <laughs> a Bride Story is basically uh, about, uh, a, It's kind of starts out about a girl named Amir. She's 20 years old, and she comes from a nomadic tribe, and she go- goes to another tribe to get married. Her husband is... Karluk and he is 12 years old. He's eight years younger than her. So a lot of the story is sets this first volume sets up the dynamic between them two as well as her her role as someone a person who is coming into a brand new family as well as almost a brand new culture. The The tribe that Karluk is in is more of a um, they have buildings, <laughs> they have houses, they have They grow crops, they're a little bit more settled, whereas Amir comes from a more nomadic tribe. And so they have slightly different customs and ways of of being. What I find really interesting about this book is that uh, Kaoru Mori is well known for her historic uh, manga. She does a lot of research. So she's really interested in this Silk Road, uh, 19th century Turkey, Middle East type um, culture. Previous to this, she did a manga called Emma, which was a Victorian romance. And again, it was very much about that era as well as the changes that were happening in the uh, Industrial Revolution. And you'll, if you read more of a bride story, you'll see like this, the effect of how think times are changing in this in this world. But it's pretty subtle because the theme is basically about brides, about women who marry into other families who want to get married who are very different, and so that's the that's the, the thread that connects all the different stories in this series. But it's, it's, a, it's an interesting story because it's not super linear. There's a lot of slice of life moments. And so maybe, I, I guess, we have to start with Chris in a little bit. So let's ask Chris, what did you think of it?
1: Because I talk too much when I start. Oh, should. Uh, <laughs> I actually really liked this. I had really resisted, I don't even know why, I'd resisted getting into Kaoru Mori's manga for a long time. I think it's because her first books, uh, Emma and Shirley, were published at the dawn of the manga boom, and they came out through CMX. They were later, well, CMX was DC's short-lived manga experiment that crashed and burned. So at that time, there's just so much manga coming out, and it always looked good, but if I had my choice of basically anything that was getting published at that time, I probably wasn't going to go in for Victorian romance between the help and the uh, the like rich people kind of stuff. Although if you're a Downton Abbey fan, Emma might be the book for you. So I've always just kind of like, oh, Calamari's good, and people really like her work, and it's just not, you know, it's never been a priority. Which I guess is what this this podcast is all about. And I gotta say, I I'm so happy to have gotten to read this one. It's such a well put together book. I'm really really like right down to Yen did an amazing job on the hardcover presentation, hardcover, dust jacket, including color pages. Could have used could something on the uh, on the hardcover itself but other than that the gold foil on the spine was nice and um, oh wait was there color pages I thought there oh, were
2: look at nope, no Chris page. is rubbing in that he's got the physical <laughs> version
1: of this book yeah. physical version of books people Support your local bookstore um yeah I loved it I loved uh, and I loved learning about it there's stuff obviously there's specific stuff uh, I want to talk about about it because it's uh, it is a rich book like you could dig into it in a really deep way. But I'm so happy I got to uh, read this. I'm glad that the podcast <laughs> provided me the opportunity to finally get off my butt and read some Cal Mori. So, if anyone else is out there I- I was on the fence, like, great book.
0: I- I'm shocked to hear that you hadn't read it before now.
1: Yeah, I'm a little shocked too. It's uh, one of the blind spots. It's like how it was like Fullmetal Alchemist, where it was just like, I didn't have to read it, it sold itself. Cal Mori was kind of in the same kind of in the same spot, a little bit like people who liked Mori's books were evangelists, still are evangelists for it. <laughs> I think when we announced that we're going to be reading this one, Twitter is going to light up. So I think that's great. Yeah. I, I wish I had read it earlier now because now I've got 12 volumes I've got to find a way to catch up on because it's at number 13. But other than that, yeah, it was good.
3: You're in luck because the next 12 episodes of Manga Explaining are all about a bride story.
0: Oh, shit. <laughs> Let's hear what David has to say. Um, Let me we heard what David it. has to say. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but no, I love it. Like, from the first page, it's like, oh, this is a book with all the things that artists hate drawing, drawn impeccably well. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. unique patterns on every character, several different four legged animals, including goats and horses. Like, there's just so much where I don't understand how they did this with any type of deadline. but it's beautiful. Like it's such an amazingly good looking book. And I love stories that like are about nothing. Mm. Like there's like a bride, there's a marriage thing, like there's a slice of life stuff, but fundamentally it's just like, here's some people, here's how they go about their lives. And also I really did a really good job drawing this, (laughs) but good sense of humor, like great sense of action. There's not proper fight scenes necessarily, like in the dragon ball sense, but like her, Hunting the fox or the rabbit, Deb, you mentioned that when you recommended it? To Chip, I believe it's just impeccably drawn mm-hmm. and really well staged in terms of like demonstrating who the characters are. Mm. Because she goes while she, while Amir is off hunting for some food, her young husband comes looking for her. He's like worried, and by the time you know he shows up, she's got like two or three rabbits trussed up and ready to go. And it sort of demonstrates both who he is and also who she is in a way that I like a lot. Where, like I felt like I instantly got who these characters were. But my favorites are the three kids who are like the, the Greek chorus of the book.
2: Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Tell me more.
3: <laughs> there are these, um, one of the families, there's a, there's a chart in the back that I thought was very helpful with the, uh, the family tree. So there's a daughter named Tiliki, and then there's three sons. And they're always like popping into the frame or into the scene to be like children about these very serious things mm-hmm. like when one kid gets in trouble like he was sneaking away not doing chores but he got a charm like card him by an old man and the solution is that the old man's gonna make charms for all three kids and then everyone else <laughs> also wants a charm <laughs> and the daughter's like i love hawks can you make a hawk like it's such like a 10 year old thing or however old they're supposed to be like it feels very real and it's sandwiched in between incredible drawings of patterns and doors and tapestry
2: it's infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a general question on, on something like this. Like, would this artist have assistance? Like, do oh, you know yes. which artists have assistance? Do, do they basically all have assistance? I think most have assistance
3: and it's rare for the big one, big name ones to not. Okay.
0: Although this is a monthly series. So she does have, mm. I think more time to work on it. Mm-hmm.
1: Actually,
0: I've even, seen, even less seen than videos monthly. Of- Oh really?
1: Yeah, it's uh, 10 issues per year it runs in Harta magazine mm. in Japan. And uh, which I think is the same magazine that Delicious and Dungeon runs in by the way. Uh, That's but right. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, but yeah, it's, like it's it's monthly. So sorry. Yeah, you were saying you you saw her drawing?
0: Well, she does videos where she 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 you'll see her drawing a an image from beginning to end, from mm. pencils to inks and you can wow. see her doing all the little hatch marks and all the all the detail. And it's hip. It's mesmerizing.
3: <laughs> yeah. Especially analog. Like I can't, like if she sneezes or something, it's like a hundred thousand lines. She has to redraw. <laughs> but yeah. Great manga. Like art's good. story's Good. Characters. Good. I'm for it.
0: <laughs> so chip, I, I recommended this to you because we, you were looking for some nice looking manga, some nice drawing. <laughs> what did you think?
2: So you all like this, eh? Hey? Oh, <laughs> oh no. I loved it. I think <laughs> I think this might be my, my favorite uh, manga that we've done so far, even maybe even knocking uh, way of the house husband out of the number one spot, which is wow, which it got knocked out of the spot because uh I, I got volume five and I'm like, okay maybe maybe the episodic thing doesn't work <laughs> forever.
1: Wait wait, you got another volume of a manga that you read on here without us checking to see if you got it. You just got a volume of a manga to read.
2: Well, yeah, because uh, when we did Way of the Househusband, I, I read all the available volumes. And then I, yeah. I clicked the button that said, I want the next one when it shows up. Mm. Oh. So I, was, I was like pleasantly surprised. Nice. But, but for, for this, uh, I agree with what everyone else has said. This is gorgeous. Like, just gorgeous. It's not even just gorgeous in the sense of beautiful rendering, beautiful details in it. But the storytelling is just unbelievable. Like there are pages in here where I'm just like in awe of the decisions mm. mm-hmm. the, the one I think it was David talking about her chasing the the rabbit I, I don't know the exact page number, like on my digital version it's the twenty fifth page,
4: mm.
2: but basically it's the silent page where he comes to the scene and and sees her from a distance chasing the rabbit and literally any other artist would have shown chasing the rabbit with a wide panel to get a sense of the, the space and, and instead this artist did a thing where she has this like this vertical tiny panel the distance shot which is just such a such a rare way to show space that it, it floored me and it is so effective just so effective there's there's like perspective shifts that I love like there's the scene with the young boy going to the woodworker. Uh, I forget exactly which page number it is, so I can take a look here.
1: Um, oh, it's the beginning of chapter two. Chapter two. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: it's where he comes back to him. But th- but there's, there's a shot where it's like the little boy's head, and above the little boy is just a bunch of space, and then the panel next to it is the woodworker with a lot of space below, which kind of just Highlights the perspectives it's just such an elegant use of space, and then the rest of the page is just you know wood shavings and, and details of just scraping wood like it's gorgeous, it's beautiful all that whole scene is just like touching and evocative with with a, with, a, with a payoffs of like a double page spread of close ups of wood carvings like yeah <laughs> you know, i was I was reminded of one of our early episodes. Uh, was a full full al- full metal alchemist where i like made fun of like the two-page spread of like oh, the like train? the train <laughs> <or laughs> of the train like this is technically more boring but it's so beautiful and to devote that kind of space to it just shows kind of a mastery of the medium
4: mm. that
2: despite all the other things going on this is what the the focus is for a two-page spread the slice of life stuff is amazing like it breaks up the story in such an elegant way because you, you do have the sense that there's going to be something happening between the two tribes. But, um, but that's, but that's not everything. Like, like that's not, that's not the entire focus of the story. The focus is of like, of life and, and people living and having these like weird little adventures that can't even really be classified as adventure. It's, it's just gorgeous. It's yeah. It's, it's been a long time since I read something like this, where I, I, it's, it's world building without being like overt world building, you know, Mm. like they're not hammering over the head with, and this person's in charge of this and this person does that. And here, this thing works this way. Like it's just, it's really subtle. It's just crafting the feeling of the place and in a, in a way that I I haven't really seen in uh, comics before. Yeah. It's just beautiful. And, And the relationship between, you know, this, the the bride and her far too young husband is so touching. Like Mm -hmm. just it's like, it it could have been creepy. Obviously it could have been like extremely weird, but the, the, the weird mix of like big sister, maternal, but also (laughs) your wife. Yeah. (laughs) um, It is so delicately handled. Like, like I was, I was concerned when we hit the scene with, with her disrobing so they can Mm. stay warm at night. Cause I'm just like, Oh, is this where it's going to get weird? But it didn't. It got weird in the sense that the, the kids weirded out, but like, this is just what's happening. And it's, it's symbolic of the fact that they, they're keeping each other warm, like throughout, throughout their, their eventual life together. Really, really, really touching, touching scene.
0: I think what's interesting about it is that she doesn't, Koromori doesn't have any internal dialogue. Mm. Characters don't really have internal dialogue that, that, is, that you can read. Yeah. It, all hap- it all happens in their actions and their facial expressions. And you, so you, she, lets the, she lets the words, the, the pictures do a lot of work
4: mm-hmm.
5: yeah. in
0: the storytelling. There's a lot of nuances that she doesn't feel the need to explain to the reader overtly. Yeah, but it comes through.
3: Good example is the scene Chip mentioned, where um, the craftsman and the boy are like kind of looking at each other while doing the carving,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and the kid is just like, "Where's the goat?" And the old guy's like, "Why would the goat be on a post? Do you just like goats." And The kid says, "The horns are cool," and like the old guy gets it, and it's such a <laughs> sweet moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, And it builds to a moment that I liked a lot, where you see the kid like you know kind of watching him you know do the chiseling or carving whatever it is you would and then it goes to that next page of all the doors like all the woodworking Mm. being done Mm -hmm. where we get to share in the wonder the kid is feeling and like it works Mm -hmm. it's drawn so well that it's absurd and the worst the best worst comparison i can think of is in frank miller and jim lee's all-star batman and robin <laughs>
5: there's a six-page
2: pullout out David. what do you do, No, there's a six-page out of, of the the, uh,
3: the Batcave where it's yeah, like, oh, yeah. this is really awesome, and Robin's like, eh, I've seen better, and it's such a good moment between those characters and very yeah. excessive in a superhero way. This is that, but sweet.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're actually totally right. No, yeah, it. yeah, you nailed it.
3: It probably oh took God. the same amount of time to draw too.
1: the thing i wanted to say is i think she's effortlessly sophisticated this is an Mm. effortlessly sophisticated book which isn't to imply that she doesn't work really hard and think about all these things but it's like we've seen some stuff that's really good that seems like people are just trying so fucking hard like it, it it feels labored a little bit from both a story perspective sometimes from an art perspective and this just like is uh you glide through this story just glide through it you are masterfully like moved through the story like your wind and she's tai Chi. you know what i mean like she is moving you and you don't even feel like moved or touched at any point and that is amazing like i'm like we i don't know i think that and i think that that this is the kind of story that this author is choosing to use their their powers on is really interesting because it makes Like, we can see stuff, we can see that, like, that, like, authorial power in, like, a very brute force way in Akira, where it's like, I'm going to draw 25,000 windows on an apartment block, and it's going to just hammer you into submission how intensely good this is. She's probably putting as much detail into the clothing in this volume in a way that it draws attention to itself once, like, at one story beat, but then is simply present for the rest of the book and it becomes part of your experience. I, yeah, I can't, uh, I, I don't know how to talk about this now. And this is the other problem because it's like, this is good. This is really good. But how do you communicate? You've got to run out and read this really well done manga and say, Oh, you've got to see the six page wordless wood carving sequence. It's so good. <laughs> and everyone's going to be like, yeah, fuck. fucked. Like I'm not gonna like this is not. I want to see the Batman six page pullout of the Batcave. Like they're like it's like no no. But the word carving is better. I used to do this at the image like selling people on books at cons.
0: That's true. You're 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 an amazing shelf talker.
3: Like you always find like the one image where it's like you can't resist this. And I think in this mm-hmm. book it's the rabbit chase very early on. Yeah. yeah. You either do the two page spread where it's just focused on the chase or kind of the four pages on either side of it. But just the angles she chooses like the second panel being almost like no background it's all impact marks the mm-hmm. left side page being all speed lines like this is really good and like fundamentally sound comic storytelling i think mm. and where when you look at it you go oh like this is something special there's something exciting here like in hickman and Dragata's east of west like there's like sci-fi stuff there's robots but the thing that sold that book more easily than anything else was death riding a robot that shot lasers out of its face and like throws <laughs> drippy lasers too. Because it's a powerful image that you could kind of build a story around. Yeah. And this rabbit hunt is the same thing. It builds character, it shows action, and it shows how well she can
4: draw. Yeah.
1: It's wordless yeah. too. Wordless. Yeah. Like that's what's so crazy. That whole sequence, and you just like, even when she holds it up in triumph, like she catches the rabbit, she holds it up in triumph. She's not like, I caught it, uh, which is like would would be absolutely what I think of like with superhero comics as well, mm-hmm. like showing and telling like every single panel and then there'd be a caption going, and she caught the rabbit. Uh,
5: <laughs> so
1: yeah, like this is just like masterclass comics. Like if you like pure comics comics, this is it, but it it does get like the, the, the things that you guys like that we all like that we've all been talking about are like mm-hmm. ha- anyone who d- isn't doesn't trust our specific advice or aesthetics is going to be like, so there's a rabbit chase and some wood carving. And then a lady gets in bed naked with a little boy. Like
0: I'm out. And, you, and I totally get that <laughs> yeah. too. But I want to, but I want to chime in like one, one moment that turned it around. that was, I thought was really masterfully done mm-hmm. was when Amir's brother and his cousins come to the, come to her home while well, they're, yeah. she and Karluk are away and, you know, are basically saying give her back you know like we oh you know we need a we need a woman to marry out so we can make an alliance with another powerful uh tribe and amir is it and oh we made a huge mistake giving her to this to this group let's get her back you know like let's let's go to best buy and you know get (laughs) her back. and then that then he says well you know the brother says well you know the deal's not a deal because she hasn't given birth yet it's not finished and then The next thing that happens is an arrow comes, boom, and then lands on the wall. And you think, oh, Amir's back. And you find out, no, it's badass grandma.
4: Yeah, badass grandma. (laughs) That
0: was awesome. Yeah. That was so (laughs) kick-ass.
4: That's
3: one of my favorite character types in manga is the tough old lady. Mm. Sometimes it's tough old man, too. But like the tough old lady, I feel like Ginkai from uh, Akasho Tsunade and Naruto, technically. Like, it's just such, like, a twist from the tough old guy of American comics. Like, everyone knows, like, Captain America or Nick Fury is, like, a tough guy. But mm-hmm. this is, like, what if... Who was Sharon Carter's aunt? Like, what if she was still around? Peggy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, she is still around, actually. I forgot that that happened. Anyway, tough old lady's awesome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I like the tough old lady because she, like, cuts through the the, the, the bull like, immediately. Because mm-hmm. her big concern is they're just being too loud. She's yeah. like, please be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> You're disturbing the whole neighborhood. But then she's also like she's old enough to know how this goes. So she's mm. just like, like, who's to say she isn't pregnant, basically?
1: Mm. That was good.
2: Like she just basically lies to them, sends them off, like, ah, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Yeah. Her face where she's like,
1: uh,
5: exquisite. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think old ladies are the number one rules lawyers. She out-rules lawyered them because they tried to come in and be rules (laughs) lawyers, and she's like, um, actually, here's how that works. That was really good.
3: That part that Deb pointed out is also a good juxtaposition with the, was it the chapter before, the half-chapter before, where they meet Karla's cousins, who meet them Ah. with, like, extreme, uh, not humanity, hospitality.
5: Mm. Mm. They're like, oh, like,
3: how's everyone doing? Has anyone passed away? We've got, like, a yurt for you. And meanwhile, her brothers are very much, like, more about the
0: politics of the family. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's interesting how well in this first volume, in each chapter, I think in the first chapter, there's a little bit of foreboding. Mm. Like you see, like these shadowy figures having this discussion. So it, it, she basically, from the first chapter, sets it off that, okay, yes, it's about this older, this girl marrying a very young boy, but there's also something going to be bubbling in the background. And then throughout this first volume, you see this starting to come to the fore, and you know that it's going to continue.
4: Yeah.
0: But there's also the character of uh, Mr. Smith, the 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 archaeologist who just happens to be there.
3: Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. I love they don't explain that
2: guy. I think until the second volume, like what he's I doing think- there. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah,
1: I didn't yeah. ask how much has everyone read. I only read the first volume unfortunately.
2: I just read the first volume, but uh, I'm definitely going to
3: read more. Uh, I've done the first 3. Oh, okay. okay wow. Wow. Yeah. This is my second time reading this. But yeah, the Mr. Smith, he's there always has to be the character who gets things explained to him. You know, yeah. so the reader is up to speed and he's kind of that guy.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this happens in Sports Bunker, right? There's a guy in the stand who says, "Wow, he did a blah 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 move. The blah a blah blah is really hard." Like a <laughs> <You know? pro>. <Yeah>. mr smith is kind of like that i think
3: yeah he even gets the same like type of characterization like when uh carlick goes and finds Amir hunting rabbits like smith is behind him looking like worn out on a donkey (laughs) and it's like oh this guy's not used to this area at all yeah but he's useful like he has medicine when carlick gets sick he's always kind of like he's the reader point of view character almost
1: see but that's the thing i don't think i think he is not The dedicated reader point of view character and this is something Mm. again that i think is like about her effortless like mastery of this and sophistication is Mm. that we are dropped into a world that very few people are i think in the whole world are familiar with the setting and and what's going on i mean it it's it it would be tempting to say this character is the reader you know identification character this is like you're the strange person popped in i don't think Mm. there's like a straight up reader identification character but i think that she weaves who the reader identification character is so deftly through this volume in this in the in the wood carving it's the littlest boy it's this like three-year-old boy who's like like fascinated by wood carving and he learns about wood carving but he's a little kid so he learns in a visual way and that's what we get from that chapter We, we learn stuff from smith for sure but we actually learn stuff from cook uh, as well because he's only 12 right like he's yeah. like he knows things about his life but he doesn't necessarily know things outside of his life so mm-hmm. when he's in a different situation she becomes she's much more experienced she's much more knowledgeable she's much more whatever and we learn things through him and then yeah. that that character changes from chapter to chapter you can't most people most creators can't do that like they just yeah. can't do it and that's another way in which i think Katomori mori is just like over the top with how solid this first volume is. Uh, yeah. The fact that it's still going thirteen volumes later in Japan means it must stay at least close to this good, which is really exciting for me as someone who now has a whole bunch of new manga to read. But like, <laughs> yeah, man, like it, she's it's, doing stuff that people don't do.
0: Yeah, there's stuff that happens later on. Like, is it not purely about Karlik and Amir? Like mm. so, sometimes the focus shifts to other girls who are mm-hmm. anxious about getting married or getting oh, or, or are married. So every it's about a different bride, yeah. and so the story weaves. It just kind of like. It's not a lin, It's not a li, necessarily a linear story only about those characters, but yeah. it ends up being this really rich, uh, story about different types of women, and different mm, types yeah. of circumstances. Like you know, like in later on in the book, they kind of talk about like, oh, that's an old bride you got there, you know, <laughs> yeah. and she's only twenty, right?
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: And and then there's these really funny moments where it's like. I think, one page 185, where the brother-in-law says, yeah, you look like you could haul a sheep. <laughs> and then Amir says, very matter of no, rams are too heavy. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> There's something to this kind of girl character in manga, too, where she's like, precocious isn't the right word, but it has that kind of juxtaposition where it mm-hmm. kind of upsets her expectations but also fulfills them, too. Like, she's very girly-girly, but also like, very strong and wild and those are usually mm-hmm. opposites in books mm-hmm. but like rumiko takahashi combines those all the time i think kaoru mori mm-hmm. also combines those all the time and it makes for really engaging and refreshing characters
4: mm-hmm.
3: yeah, i think yatsuba sure. is actually one of those too where she's very she's a child but also she like she'll fight farm animals that's not
0: a normal <laughs> child thing <laughs> i think Amir's kind of interesting because she's in a lot of ways typically she'll be she would be depicted as a badass, right? A mm-hmm. warrior woman, and here she's really not. She's confident. Yeah, she can. She she knows yeah. what she can do, but she's ultimately very feminine, and a little, I guess, uncertain. Mm-hmm. Like when, and she's uh, caring and very honest, very mm-hmm. forthright. So there's there's a lot of shades to her that I think are not the automatic choice.
3: Yeah, yeah. I love the it's author. Funny.
0: Oh yeah. What what does it
3: say? So now we come to Amir, and she's listing the attributes, and it's like good with a bow, older sister type wife, worldly wise about chickens and rabbits and such, wild, naive, strong, but still a young lady, but still a rich girl type. And she says, when I write down all her characteristics like that, it seems like I threw in everything until I was really satisfied, huh? And it has like a the more you know star over her head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love I love her notes. They're
3: right. so wonderful. It's so self-indulgent, but, like, the good kind of self-indulgent, you know, where it's clear, like, she just freaking loves Central Asia and nomads and horses and stuff. Same way she loves, you know, maids and butlers, nineteenth, 18th century England. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this is her way of, like, exercising that fandom, of, like, showing people, like, this is why this stuff is cool. And she mm-hmm. just happens to be, like, a really fantastic cartoonist.
0: Yeah. I want to point out, you go to page 89. And there's this scene where she shows a flashback, and it's so stylish how she differentiates something that is a flashback and something that's happening in the present purely by the density of the pen lines. Yeah, that was just beautiful,
4: craft wise. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: just amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She makes sure the any black areas become kind of a hatched gr- gray.
1: Yeah on the same page too because it's flashback on page 88 for the top top two panels mm-hmm. and then present time for the next three and then flashback for the next whole next page or for like the yeah for the whole next page and like right before their journey began and i normally i'd look at that and go well, maybe that's a little sloppy but it's really clear like this is mm-hmm. this is what she wanted to do um, mm-hmm. i want to go back to the grandmother for a sec oh yeah um, sure yeah i think <laughs> yeah because she's obviously awesome. <laughs> There's something really important there about drawing a connection between the grandmother that has sort of the matriarch, the matron, but matriarch really of this family that we're we're learning about. That is this like non-nomadic have settled down or building a village kind of a family. They draw a direct connection between her and her circumstances as a grandmother and mm-hmm. God, uh, Amir and her circumstances as a brand new bride. By saying the bow was a dowry. It's part of my dowry. And mm-hmm. so she clearly came into this tri- this 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 area, this village, this family, this this community in much the same way that Amir did. And you realize that maybe that's only 40 years ago, the way the way people are getting married off here, yeah. maybe 50. <laughs> yeah. And it's like how much has changed for the people that we're reading about in those 40 years, how Amir being brought in is like part of uh tradition. And you see an idea of what Amir, uh, who Amir could grow into over the years. Like another thing where she's just showing how good she is. She's like, I'm going to draw a connection between these two characters and you're going to see Amir in 40 years and I don't have to do 40 years or flash forward or anything. You're going to see the role that this woman plays and the role that women play, especially when they come from this other culture into this culture. It's just like, mm-hmm. I, I, I was reading that and I kept, I read it. I actually had to go back and reread that whole sequence. It blew me away.
4: Blew
1: yeah. Me
3: away. Yeah. So smart. It makes me wonder, you know, Rita Repulsa from Power Rangers, which Bandora, her design reminds me of this grandmother a lot. And I'm wondering if there was a shared influence in there.
0: Oh, interesting. (laughs)
3: With like the hood around the the head. But yeah, there's just, all this just makes me want to know more. And I actually just edited an episode where I talked about how books making me curious is one of my favorite things. And this is true yet again. And Mr. Smith handing her an arrow while she's giving her little
1: speech is also really good. (laughs) I've never actually looked at the reader Repulsa, the non-staff costumes before mm. for reader Repulsa. And yeah, it really is. There's like a very specific detail and intricacy here. Some of it looks like Jomon, like ancient Japanese stuff. Some of it looks yeah. like the kind of stuff that we're looking at here, like pulled from Central Asia, like uh, filigree. And yeah, who knew? Power Rangers with the great right? costumes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the costume design in this is... I, I can't imagine, like, what kind of reference material she must have. Mm. Just keeping all this straight. Like, every character has a unique pattern that they wear in every chapter. Mm. Just so yeah. much work.
0: If you um, read further on, there's a young girl character who she's told that she has to, she has to sew these, these em- embroider this fabric mm. to make her dowry. Make her, mm. uh, I guess, the stuff that goes with her when she gets married. And she's really bad at, at embroidery. And then everyone nice. makes fun of her, you know, like, how are you going to get married? Your embroidery is so terrible. But then what she's really good at is making bread. <laughs> and she makes really fancy bread. And it's like, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I want to read that chapter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it, but it kind of like, the, she goes into like why these patterns or these fabrics with these embroidery is so important. Mm. And then it, she goes into the history, um, like, you know, like, different pat like with quilting in in America, like different embroidery mm. patterns are different different people's innovation or it has different meaning. Mm. So it's, I find what's really nice about Bride Stories it, it it has that nice balance. You know, this nice balance of teaching you something new, uh slice of life stories, little action, little drama, little little humor, and just beautiful drawing. It's yeah. It's not gonna be your your slam bang Action every minute, type of high drama, people crying, you know, no snot and snot and tears everywhere, no superpowers, no people yelling out, "This is my attack." (laughs) Yeah, if she did that when you know, like shooting an arrow for the rabbit, the rabbit would run away, right?
5: So
0: (laughs) it's not that kind of manga, but it's just, I think it's on a pure. If you make comics, if you draw, you can look at this and find something amazing about this. Yeah, you can that you can learn
1: chip you talked before about being discouraged sometimes by (laughs) encountering really beautiful manga like this how did you feel like did you feel that discouragement are you just happy that something like this exists or like like what's i don't know
2: yeah with with uh, with this i didn't feel discouragement because while the detail work was beautiful it's not even something i aspire to right Mm. Mm. like it, it felt different than reading akira maybe because the environments in Akira are things that I would potentially draw, whereas this is not anything I would ever potentially draw. (laughs) I have faith in you. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So so, so my takeaway from this is mostly just in the storytelling. Mm. Like uh, like I I admire the rendering, but I think the storytelling is the stuff that I kind of want to glean things from.
0: Mm. Is there a moment that you found particularly like, wow, that's a great idea.
2: I mean the, the 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 one I mentioned at the top was chasing the rabbit and the the, the vertical panels instead of mm-hmm. the wide panels to show the chase was uh was it was really fascinating and just the the, the general pacing, mm-hmm. especially with the woodworking scene. Yeah, yeah. Almost every page is just kind of perfectly composed. Like there's just not really a bad panel in here, which is uh, which is pretty amazing because that's the one thing we've noticed or I've noticed anyways looking at a lot of these books, especially the ones that are serialized. There's a drop off in quality at some point. Sometimes it's a consistent drop off in quality, and sometimes it's just like there'll be a panel that's weird, a face that's weird. Like and then that's just deadline pressure. And and, and this is immaculate all the way through. Like there's really not like the slump after, you know, all the pages that they did before it start getting published run out and they have to keep up with the deadline. Yeah, yeah, it's just—it's incredibly smart. Like that's what I'm
0: taking away from it. And it just has a humanity to it, you know, because I've mm-hmm. seen other artists who draw very exquisite, detailed, like Asano Inio, for example, or uh, mm-hmm. the guy Hiroya Oku who does Gantz, very detailed drawing. But a lot of it's very computer-aided.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And with Kaoru Mori, I get a—I—I I generally get a sense of warmth and humanity in oh, every yeah. in every page
4: yeah like 100%.
0: No, nothing looks computer aided or artificial no. it looks very crafted
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, yeah and mm-hmm. has has the hand of the artist in it,
2: yeah mm. amazing work and like you know I talked before about the weird the husband wife relationship and uh, i w- I, was, I was thinking about this this week as there was a discussion between a couple of manga explaining readers because I was following the Twitter about it was some. Some sort of manga in which it was like a, a teacher and the student, and there was an age difference, and they're just like this is creepy, like mm. and it's it's teaching, it's teaching the kids reading this like a really bad message by like kind of romanticizing these kind of relationships. So I so I read that discussion and I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's true. And then I read this and I'm just like, well, this didn't even, <laughs> like it this, this, weirdly this works better because the age difference is greater Mm
5: -hmm.
2: because she's 20 and he's 12 so there's not actually that kind of weird tension Mm -hmm. of like he's not like a horny horny little boy with uh blood coming out of his nose because i know like
5: there's
2: there's not that there's not that relationship so it works because of that the the drastic difference it works because of the time period and it, it, it's reinforced in one of my favorite scenes where he's like giving her the speech and he, he, he wants her to know this. And he's like, Not even once mm. have I wished you were younger or anything. Okay. Like it's, it's I was going to
3: bring that up too.
2: <laughs> it's, such uh. a per- it's a perfect little kid statement. And also, it's the reverse of what they would say in modern times. Mm. Yeah. Because the problem in modern times would be the fact that he's too young for her but the problem back then is she's too old for him. Yeah. So, 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 so that, that one panel weirdly like sums up his character because he sees, he wants her to know that it's okay. Like he, he this is him showing her that he cares. He understands that this is uncomfortable for her mm-hmm. for reasons, but also he's reinforcing to the reader that this is a different time and you can buy into this situation more easily by the way he just framed it for you. Mm. Like, like there's so much, there's so much about this. This is really, really smart. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I'm, I'm going to keep reading.
3: That's such a sweet, sweet scene. The way she reacts, yeah. like with the blush and okay. Yeah.
2: Because like, okay. what else do you,
3: do you say to that? Yeah. <laughs> but then yeah. he ends it with that is all. And she's like, is that <laughs> <absolutely all?" Yeah. laughs> it's such like a serious child thing. Like, you're right. It's excellent storytelling. Mm-hmm. And the nudity we talked about happens on the very next page. And it's not. I don't want to say titillating. People always say titillating. Sensual. Sensual. There we go. (laughs) Uh, It's just very matter of fact. Instead of it being like, ooh, like, what are we teasing? Like, what's going to happen here? It's just, no, like, this is just a sweet relationship between two people who are very far apart in age.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then David's right. It's not titillating at all.
5: (laughs) Um, I think.
1: One must acknowledge the fact that this is still not going to be for everyone, though. Yeah, that this situation. No, for
2: everyone. I'm I'm sending it to my my mother. I'm sending it to my. Uh, it's little really cousins. definitely
1: handled. I think I think it's handled as best you could, and it's difficult to write about times from a couple hundred years ago that are different than contemporary times and different cultures without running the risk of you know running up against contemporary cultural mores. Uh, and I think that. <laughs> I'm I'm saying here I think Kalamori handled this as well as it could be handled but if it's still not your thing like for whatever reason like if it's triggering if it's just upsetting yeah skip it like it's a good book but it doesn't have to be for you but I think that it shows that we can talk about you know different times different places different cultures in a respectful smart way where like Deb pitched us this book going uh, this might be upsetting, actually, because it's a twelve-year-old <laughs> boy that's it get, gets married to a twenty-year-old girl, but and so you have your backup, you know, you have your defenses up, you're ready to be like, okay, what am I going to see? And it's not that. Like I said, she very deftly handles you as a reader and and walks you through this situation and walks you through what would have been a pretty common situation yeah. a couple mm-hmm. hundred years back, and she does that. She reinforces it by connecting Amir to the grandmother as well by saying, like, Amir isn't. This isn't a special case this isn't a unique case this is a tradition this is something that's been happening and yeah things are like having a matriarch that can fire a bow is', uh, is pretty cool but like again <laughs> she's it shows that she's a holdout that society is progressing in a different way right now and she's like they didn't know that that she had this part of her like her little grandkids had no idea the Greek chorus comes in and is like "You have a bow you have a bow yeah <laughs> <laughs> kind of, like, again, so 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 well done. Well done, like well handled. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know how I'm going to go back to the regular manga. Her,
0: her handling of characters is so great. Like, the, like I, I agree with David that the kids are, well, the characters are really fun. Like, mm-hmm. the littlest boy, like, the mom says, go clean that up. And he does a real half assed job of it just so he can go see the woodcutter. I thought, mm-hmm. that is so like a little boy.
4: Yeah.
5: That's,
0: that's adorable. And then when Amir comes back and he goes, hey, did some, something weird happen while we were gone? His little brothers go, yeah, so and so peed in the bed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's the vibe. That's the
4: vibe right now.
0: And so I love it because they're true to their age.
4: Yeah,
5: and,
0: yeah, yeah. And she does it in such a a sweet way. Like they're not like like obnoxious, sarcastic kids like you see in today's cartoons. Like way too way too wise for their words. They these act like kids.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite moment with the kids was the little girl who. Uh, she says this is page 31 you can catch rabbits with a hawk and her mom's like i'm sorry my daughter simply loves hawks and like her face where she's like blushing and like in shock at the idea of a hawk sitting on her arm
0: <laughs> that's classic right i mean because like it's perfect you, it's like I'm, i have friends or i would grow up with girls who are really into horses
5: right mm-hmm. like yeah.
0: oh horses yeah and it's like yeah that's that's about right for that age <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I love her, the thought that she put into these characters. They are, they are mm-hmm. not rote characters. They are not. Uh, they're really well thought out. Even the even the, you know, side characters are really well thought out.
5: Yeah. Mr.
0: Smith gets more of a, a story arc later on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then so Amir and Karlik are not the focus entirely, but you do get to appreciate their relationship, right? You don't. Like when the first scene where you see them, where she lifts up her veil and sees him, she's like, oh, and then she smiles broadly like, oh, like, oh, that's, that's a nice touch.
3: Yeah. It's super Mm
4: -hmm. adorable.
2: Don't, don't spoil it for me, but I'm really hoping that the, the girl who loves hawks eventually has a hawk sitting on her arm.
0: (laughs) That would be awesome. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, The the look on her face, just look at that page now, just like a hawk sitting on your arm, just like, (laughs) Just the concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see her concentration on the idea is so uh so perfectly drawn. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we can go around and maybe final thoughts. Um David, you wanna start?
3: Yeah. So like Chris was saying, like twelve years and twenty years is kind of a messed up age difference. So if this isn't is not the book for you, Kauru Mori's Anything and Something might be a good option. It's mm. way hornier and about as well drawn. <laughs> um <laughs> It's a collection it's of short grown-ups. stories. It's about grown-ups. It's about yeah, it's about grown-ups. grown-ups.
2: <laughs> well, that's good. that's good. It's way hornier, but don't worry, he's thirteen and she's
3: yeah. nineteen.
4: <laughs> but a
2: bride's
3: story, it's like it really lives up to a slice of life description. It's historical fiction. It feels it feels well researched, which is not mm. quite the same as being well researched. But it feels good. Like it feels like I could use this as a jumping off point to googling more info. Drawings are amazing. The characters are good. The jokes like the joke when he gets sick and then gets better, then he like sneezes, and you hear her <laughs> running from across the, the village. Yeah. <laughs> Just really solid stuff.: uh, yeah. yeah, this is yet another great recommendation from Deb.: Yeah.
4: Ta-da.
1: All right. Chris.: We actually had a comment on the, uh, the blog a week ago, and it wasn't a question, so I, didn't, I wasn't going to ask it as, in the Q& A, but it's, uh, I think it's really apt, and it's back or back Lum forever. I'm sure you get no shortage of recommendations, but here goes. It seems to me a lot of the manga that Chip reads are not the most polished uh, variety of manga. Uh, this is strange because back in the days, to complain how the U.S. only publishes the pretty ones and not the edgier stuff. So, how about some tried and true old recommendations? This person um, recommends a bunch of books: Lone Wolf and Cub, Crying Freeman, you know, Tori, I guess Phoenix, uh, Pluto, <laughs> Vinland Saga. Vagabond, Bride Story, Witch Hat Atelier, Ancient Magus' Bride, Berserk, Death Note, Golden Kamui, basically like a ton of books. And the thing that's most interesting to me is the uh, the suggestion that we haven't been reading the most polished books for the most part. And I go back and I look at, and they're all here. They're all like right here. And we are getting a lot of very early work by people, a lot of very idiosyncratic picks from books that you know the three of us really love Mm -hmm. and aren't necessarily industry bestsellers although naruto maybe is the uh, exception <laughs> there and full metal Alchemist, but like we're picking these books that are but naruto is a for it was the first work based for all intents and purposes by kishimoto sensei full metal alchemist was for all intents and purposes the first work by arakawa sensei these are people who are known now as being like master craftsmen and i think this both of those series end up in a very different place artistically etc uh than when they start and i feel like it This feels in a lot of ways like a book by just a master creator, someone who has like already done ten, fifteen volumes of manga, started in a good place and has only gotten stronger and I think it's really interesting to see that like you can take this polished book and hand it to Chip, and he just loves it, and he loves it more than anything we've shown him, maybe. <laughs> and I think it speaks really highly of this book in particular. Um, I know that there's a couple of series. That are coming up in the next little while that are also polished in that way. And you know, there are things like Wave Listen to Me, which is like Samura's like 30th volume of manga, which we Chip also love is is mm-hmm. another another important thing to note. Or Mermaid Saga, going right back to the beginning almost, where like Takahashi's just a genius and she's just kills it on everything, well, almost everything she does. So I think it's a really interesting thing to note here that like This actually really is just really, really good comics uh, from someone who's gotten really good at making comics. And it's a different kind of recommendation that I think we're making. Deb, this is a book, you know, she said that uh, she recommends to people all the time uh, because it's so strong and I'm so happy to have gotten it. I think it's going to maybe change a couple of the ways I make recommendations maybe in the future Uh, because a lot of the books that, you know, Bach has uh, mentioned here. Things like Golden Kamui or things like the Urosawa stuff are things that are really near and dear to my heart. But I've maybe tried to think a lot about books that are really important to me to recommend, which is where you get like a Paradise Kiss or things that I think Chip would really personally like, which is where you get something uh, like an Akira or like one of mine, uh, Tech on King Creek, uh, another personal one as well. So, yeah, I think... I think this is just like top tier comics. I think this is some of the best manga I've maybe ever read. At least on the first volume, I'm so interested to learn more. And anyone who's on the fence and wants to read a good manga and can deal with the subject matter, I would say go go check it out for sure.
3: So you were you've been recommending chip books you think are important to the medium?
1: No, important to me. Oh, important to you? Okay. <laughs> Paradise Kiss is my favorite. Tekken King is my favorite. I've been um, looking else. What else? I recommended. Um, was I B stars Or no, I was Oishinbo because that's like one mm-hmm. of my favorites and one I recommend to people, even though it has <laughs> huge problems. So yeah, okay. I've, been, I've been and even and then the last couple, I've been like, well, I just really want to read this one. <laughs> I don't know if it's any good or not. Like, even though we're adults, uh, which, you know, Chip, like Journal of My Father is like, I've got almost everything else by uh, Tanaguchi Sensei, including Hotel Harbor View, <laughs> David. So, um,
5: <laughs>
1: David posted a mystery Taniguchi panel on, uh, Twitter. Like, I'm going to try and get him. And I'm like, you're not going to get me. I've got his shit in Japanese.
5: <laughs>
1: um, anyway. Yeah. I've been trying to recommend really like stuff that means a lot to me, or I think he's going to really like, but I think there's stuff out there that like is masterclass comics. And maybe to me, one of the only ones of those that we've, we've covered is Akira, one of those ones. And then Phoenix. Which we recommended, Phoenix Dawn, which is going to end up being a little bit down the road. So, yeah, I think that that that's something that is this good does make it. It. I'm glad to have this recommendation on the podcast. Thank you, Deb.
2: Yeah, it seemed obvious to me that you're choosing like ones that meant a lot to you personally because when you would recommend them, you would go on and on and on. on. I don't know how David missed that part. (laughs) Honestly, I'm asleep a lot for these. Well Chip, yeah. what did you think of this book? What's your final uh, thoughts? Seven out of ten, pretty good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> David, bleep me, please.
2: <laughs> um uh I love it. It it's uh I think it's it changed the way I view comics. It's masterful.
1: Yeah. You sound so fucking fake. <laughs> I
2: sound fake? Yeah. No. Change
1: the way I think about comics. Yeah, sure but, it does, but it, buddy. <laughs> but it, it did. Okay. Okay, sure. <laughs> now it sounds sincere.
5: What, like, what, like,
2: do I know this artist? Like am I trying to impress somebody by nah. liking this?
1: All the listeners, you're trying to impress all the listeners who have been waiting for us to cover this, apparently.
2: <laughs> well, I gave it 7 out of 10. Come on. Wow, Dad, what, you're, what are your you're a tough grader. <laughs> no, I, 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 I genuinely love it. Like there's, there's, a, there's a lot that not only myself, but I think other comic creators uh, can learn from, from reading this book. Hmm. I'm sorry, was that genuine enough for you, Chris? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the readers will decide. The uh, listeners yeah. will decide. <laughs> Deb, uh, what's your final
3: take?
0: I guess one thing I didn't really bring up is, as far as far as this book goes is that Karo Omari is obviously not Turkish. She's not from the Middle East. She didn't grow up mm. there, but she is approaching this story with such respect and such love and attention to detail that it doesn't matter. And so, you know, in. In a world now where people feel a little sensitive about telling stories that don't come from their personal experience or their personal, uh, you know, where where they're from, Mm -hmm. I think Karamori does something really bold and wonderful: is that she's not telling a story set in Japan. She's not telling a story she personally lived, but she's something she feels passionate about that she researched and. Through it all, she makes it interesting for the reader by the way that she masterfully does visual storytelling, the way that she creates characters and makes them distinctive, the way that the story unfolds in a way that is so much about seeing, how she how she draws subtle expressions, how she frames the pictures. Um, I appreciate it on a lot on a story level and on a craft level, because I know how hard it is to draw this. And I know how hard it is to pace the action the way she does. She does it very, in a very innovative way, but not in a show-offy kind of way. Like Tezuka yeah. does really interesting, innovative paneling, but it's kind of show-offy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, look how weird I can do stuff. But Koromori's decisions seem to be very deliberate and, and, and elegant. I recommend this book a lot to people because I think you, this is not just good manga, this is good comics. This is yeah. good visual storytelling by any measure of the medium. And you can enjoy this, whether you've read a lot of manga or not. You can just enjoy it because it's just it's good story, visual storytelling. Absolutely. I love it. And yeah. she's she has great female characters, great male characters. I think she's such a really well rounded uh, storyteller. Personally, I love Emma a lot better in a sense mm-hmm. that Oh, even more than this? Yeah, I love oh. Emma. But Emma it's because it's a perfect story. It has a and the ending. I read it over and over again. It makes my heart sore. It's like so
2: it, wow. is, is it is it an adaptation? No, nope, it's an original story. Oh, okay, All right. it's, it's not is, like Jane
0: Austen. The same name. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. But oh. the reason why I didn't recommend that is that it had the problem where the first couple of volumes were a little rough.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, they weren't quite as like if you go read the first volumes of Emma, like you can see the beginning, but by the end of it, she's got it. This is her style, and it's she oh. and she. It's beautifully done, and it goes right into Bride's Story. And this is where you're seeing her at the peak of her powers. How many? How many volumes is Emma? So eight volumes. Okay. Oh, that's not that bad. I love it. I. It's one of my all-time favorites. Like if I'm feeling blue, I'll read it, and <laughs> ah, just makes me happy.
2: I <laughs> see. I'd be. I'd be interested to read. Like, uh, I mean, I know we're, we're we're always short on time and uh, and money. But it'd be interesting to read for the podcast eight volumes of Emma just to see that progression. Mm. Oh yeah, you can. I really, I haven't, I haven't really been afforded that opportunity. Like so far, my the progressions I've seen is usually in the other direction. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, especially
3: with something like shonen manga, where that if you have eight hundred chapters, you've got to get better at drawing at some point in those eight (laughs) hundred chapters. And sometimes, (laughs) like they really level up, and I'd love to see see what that looks like for
2: mori well yeah i mean malcolm gladwell once famously said that it it takes 800 chapters of manga to get better (laughs) that's true (laughs) he is a genius
5: (laughs) yeah
0: yeah well thank you guys i'm really happy you enjoyed bryce and and thanks for giving it a try Uh, my pleasure that was great seven out of (laughs) ten all right and now let's hear a word from our sponsors And we're back. Now let's get to our Q&A. Let's see what we got in our mailbag. Chris, what did we get?
1: Well, we have a question from Instagram. You can follow us online at at Mangasplaining on Instagram. This is from Josh Hetchinger, who says, actually, I have a wish list related question. For mangaka that have a foothold or outright success in the American market, especially as themselves, so say a new Urasawa book versus the latest Shonen jump hit, what barriers or considerations are in play for getting their full catalogs published? Like, I keep hearing Billy Bat will never be translated, despite Urasawa's success. Or a lot of Otomo's work remains untranslated and out of print, as I understand it. And I'm still flabbergasted and delighted that we're getting number five again. But I'm really surprised, and that's by Matai Matsumoto, I'm really surprised it's instead of Hano Otoko or Takemitsu Samurai, etc. So yeah, what makes... What are the conditions for an author getting their full catalog published in North America? Anyone got a thought? Uh, I'm not. I
4: got I'm nothing. A, I, got nothing.
0: <laughs> I, I will say, I'll, I'll say some some things I've heard. Oh, one is that it depending how well the author sold in the past. Yeah,
1: money is like the biggest one. honestly.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> so if if like even though they're maybe really well well known and. A fan favorite. If their books hadn't sold a lot, and in the in the American in the American publisher's opinion, there's already enough of it out there, mm. then they won't pick up the next one. And that, you know, I I think it's just kind of. But sometimes I think these publishing decisions get made based on what who is who is advocating for it at the publisher, right? Because like I know at Viz and I know at many of the other publishers, it's it's a case where editors make a case for it, like let's let's do this one you know i really feel passionately about it i think it'll do well like they you talk about so it, it needs to have someone who can champion it and mm. and make a case for it yes but yes maybe this other one didn't sell well but yes but let's go for it again like i think maybe Usumara Furia the case like that mm. where like shortcuts obviously didn't sell gangbusters <laughs> yeah and, yeah and i think it took several years for his work to be published, and I think Vertical brought out Light Light Club and No Longer Human.
1: Yeah, Viz did uh, Genkaku Picasso, yeah.
0: Right, so then we got more of his stuff, but there's still several of his works that are not out in English, you know? He's done Mm. some really interesting experimental works that I don't think we're gonna see in English, unfortunately. Mm. But I think uh, he also has done some work that I think are, uh, how do we say, subject matter problematic, (laughs) That's one reason. Like the woman who did Fushigi Yugi, the mysterious play, she also did a a very dark historical BL drama, which is super duper dark. Like Mm. incest, rape. uh, It's it's intense, and I don't think there's a hell. There's no matter how much Fushigi Yugi sold, they will never publish that here. (laughs) No. So th- there's two reasons, right? Right. There's one we tried it before, didn't sell. There's it's the subject matter is problematic. <laughs> and then there is various licensing limbo issues, meaning within the case of Otomo, Otomo said no. Yeah. For that's many a big one. years. But right now they're working on a project where he is going to et- re-edit and republish his entire output in English.
4: Mm. And
0: republish it, his entire output in Japanese as well. But this is something he announced at Anime Expo in 2019. Yeah. And he he has a way of announcing stuff and then letting it sit for a while.
2: Yeah. It's done when it's done. It's done when
0: it's done.
2: (laughs) Is the idea with something like that, like, are they being republished in, like, a different format? Like, is it, like, all hardcovers or something? Or just, like... I think it's a mystery.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we don't know yet. We don't know. We don't know how it's going to turn out. But I think, like his books, if you if you bought them all, like if you bought them all in Japan, they were different sizes and different uh, bindings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think the idea is to make them look consistent. Gotcha. I think, like, there's a Tezuka Library you can get in Japan where it's every single work he did with the same cover format. Wow. Um, yeah, it's beautiful.
1: Uh, so I, I I want to add to your point because I mm-hmm. think Otomo is a really interesting case. Mm-hmm and it ties into the the, the point of age there's uh, a reason we don't get a lot of series or whole things from different creators and that's because of how old they are um comics in the last uh comics are a bit behind the curve when it comes to digital comics in japan as compared to how north american comics are produced so for some licensing issues if you want to go back and do you know uh, an older work by a creator who's very popular now the files might be only available at 300 dpi which doesn't look that great or the scans might have been done when scanning technology wasn't good. or there's only film available because comics used to be photographed shot and turned into film pressing so they've actually that film has never been scanned it's never been reprinted ed chavez who worked for vertical link now runs denpa publishing used to be very open about talking about this where we tried to get this book that you all want us to do but there were no files for it so Like the pages would have had to have been rescanned from scratch from film, and that, like, the cost of and time of that would have been insane. So, we didn't license that book. Otomo's a really good example. Like, he started working in the 70s, and his earliest short story work is all in like from like 74, 75, 76. There's like, and those aren't in print in Japan because they'd have to be probably rescanned from the original artwork. That's probably what's happening with the Otomo republishing project. Like, I don't have any inside knowledge, but knowing how I like, knowing, for example, Mm, it was announced, so I can talk about this. Uh, when I was working at Udon in 2015, we acquired the rights to do a new edition of the very cool Mayoko Ano kids uh, graphic novel series, which was Chocolat mm-hmm. Vanille, which I don't remember what the English title is. It's the two girls, and they're kind of magical witch is girls.
0: It Sugar Sugar Rune? No.
1: Sugar Sugar Rune. Yeah, sorry. It had a different name in Japan. So, anyway, but there's no digital files, or the digital files were of such a low quality that it didn't really matter. So, I don't think Udon's talked about this, but they actually had to get the original art in Japan from Ono sensei and then literally rescan every single page at 1200 dpi in order to publish that book and then touch-ups and then licensing issues. And that's actually why that one hasn't come out because it took longer than anyone I think involved maybe expected it to. So you'd have to ask you know Udon and Erica what the status is now. But I know that at the time that was like, we acquired it and oh, by the way, there's no files and oh, by the way... Here's this much original artwork, like a foot and a half of it. You've got to rescan. Yeah, that is a significant deterrent to licensing a book, and that's why a lot of times when people are doing licensing inquiries, they're like, "Are there files? What quality are the files?" Sometimes you don't know. I know there's one project that David edited uh, that uh, we were really worried about whether there were files. Actually, that was something I brought in the Transformers manga that Viz published was one that I found actually in a used bookstore in Japan, and I was like, "Oh man, we got to publish this." brought it in it came in the volume i had didn't have all the stories that were published as part of that line some of them looked like they were printed from faxes uh, in the <laughs> japanese edition they were actually the, the scans were so bad that they printed them on their side two to a page and it still looked like it had been through a fax machine even like reducing it by 50 percent like oh my God. Oh my God. just this terrible book and we're like this would be a great book it actually turned into a beautiful book that biz did but they, we had no idea whether or not it turns out that the japanese publishers at some point had done a digital edition and gone back and actually re- found and rescanned all the original art. The scans are gorgeous in that book. Like it looks, even though it was done in the 80s, it looks like it could have like rolled off the press today as like a retro throwback book. Oh. Yeah, that's a huge, it's a huge question mark. Uh, you just don't know. So it is really, you know, the people making acquisition decisions, I think, you know, they're kind of they kind of have a godlike power to the fans because it's like this person is the decider as to whether or not my favorite series that no one knows about that I read illegally on the internet. Uh, is going to be coming out in an official volume I can buy. Cool. You mean Kingdom? Yeah, like Kingdom. Like, Ooh, like oh, you fucking invited the Kingdom people. Here we go. But, like, yeah, you're not going to, it's without knowing how well it's going to sell, you're not going to license a 60 volume series with a roll of the dice. You know what I mean? Without knowing what quality the files are, because it's 10 years old and you don't know if you've got digital files or if you do. And sometimes that's worse because scanners weren't that great 15 years ago. Like, there's so many things that go into these decisions. The big issue is like, all right, the reason number five is getting a re-release, I don't have any inside knowledge, but I know that a new volume, a new version of it came out in Japan two years ago and was simulpubbed with, and I think it came out because France got a new version of it. And Uh France did a two-volume all-in-one edition in black and white, so it doesn't have the color pages. So yeah, all of a sudden, there's a new license, there's a new format you can license that makes more economic sense. It's going to be two volumes instead of eight uh, which is a huge deal because, you know, drop off in series as they go on, not as many people buying each volume. It's a it's a format where all the files they know are in good condition because someone just printed two different editions of this in different languages. It makes, it suddenly makes a lot more sense to license a book like number five. But Takimitsu Samurai, like, I know there's good art for that, but, it, but it's an eight volume series. Hano Otoko, that's a book that's like, yeah, that got a new all-in-one edition uh, by Matsumoto, but it's also like, Free tech on King Creed artwork. It's rough. It doesn't look anything like the artwork that Biz is putting out right now for like Cats of the Louvre or the ping even the Ping Pong re-release. Like it's very, very old work. So, I mean, it seems like it's a no-brainer. Everything that Kawanomori, who we just finished talking about, almost, it looks like everything she's ever done manga-wise is in print in English right now. You can get yep. it. And that's just, like, good timing. Like, if CMX hadn't picked up Emma when it was getting popular, it hadn't developed that fan base with CMX going under, if Bride Story hadn't been such a hit, maybe they wouldn't have gone back and done, like, the short story collection. Maybe they wouldn't have licensed rescued Emma. Maybe we wouldn't have gotten Shirley, which is, like, her other maid-centric short story collection. But we did. And that's awesome. Yeah. It's... Well, I've got one more anecdote, but I feel like I've been talking too long. David, do you have anything you wanted to add?
3: Chris mentioned timing. Timing is everything. Yeah. Because everyone loves JoJo's Bizarre Adventure now. But where <laughs> was everyone between two thousand five and two thousand ten when Viz first printed it? You know? Yeah. But what happened is it came out, you know, I remember trying to buy them, a bunch of copies were out of print for a long time. The anime came out, the anime was a hit, and suddenly there was this audience who was thirsty for the material. And before, like the audience was there but they didn't know about it. They didn't know where to get it, they didn't know it was available. I think actually having a name Either in the states or like from other media helps a lot.
1: Absolutely huge. Yeah, the anime effect is is real. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it used to only be Crunchyroll, then Crunchy and funny. Now even you know getting a Netflix anime because Netflix has become known for anime can be a huge deal in reigniting a popular series. Uh, that that is an old series that gets picked up. What well, there was one that just was announced. It was like that's like a ten year old. Mom- oh, sorry, Ping Pong got an anime. Got an awesome anime ten years after it came out like the this famous director was like what do you want your next anime to be he's like i want to adapt my favorite manga from 10 years ago that's why we got Taiyo Matsumoto's ping pong so that's the other thing is finding someone who's willing to champion a project who can do something about yeah. you know who can do something about that is is really huge
0: maybe like like devil like the same animator did devilman crybaby right on yeah on, oh, absolutely yuasa. and yeah. then for yeah. years the devilman by guy, the original comic was like the white whale like Everybody knew it was awesome. Everyone knew it was crazy, but yeah. nobody wanted to pick it up because it was old. And
1: uh, Verotic to... did those single issues where they colored it. Oh in God, the most D- garish '90s colors. <laughs> Do you remember you, Chip? This is a this is a you you moment. You remember Verodic, right? I Verodic, don't. Glenn Danzig's comics imprint. Oh yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Uh, so they actually licensed a manga, Devilman, but they published it as single issue chapters, and they colored it, but they colored it with like literally the worst 90s coloring you could imagine it is (laughs) it is a triumph of comics because it's already such a crazy fucking book but then you add like verotic like house ads with just like the hugest paisley lady boobs in the back of each it's 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 something man like i bought a copy of i needed
0: it i needed the record of this
1: (laughs) wow that's amazing so um,
0: (sighs) yeah so time uh, anime makes a difference Timing is huge. Timing is and huge. ultimately what, what I think sometimes fans don't get is it's up to the artist sometimes you know I mean I think Michael said was really clear he says I would publish everything that Otomo would give us I would republish yeah. Domu again but we just can't
3: yeah. uh, upcoming manga planning feature Saint Youngman was delayed <laughs> for <laughs> a long time because the artist yeah. was like I don't want to release this in America where they're really weird and serious about religion with yeah. like good reason possibly
2: yeah okay
0: But we're getting to that next week, right? Um, Yeah, next
3: week. (laughs) It's soon. I'm stoked.
0: (laughs) But I will say that you know, like for for a long time, there were a lot of books that I thought were hopeless cases that Mm. I thought would that we would never get in English. That you know, just give up, don't even try. And within the last three years or so, a lot of them have come out or are coming out. Lupin the Third is coming out. Is Um, it? Yes, this fall.
1: Who's who's doing that? Seven Seas. Oh, makes sense. Are they doing all of it or are they doing a best of?
0: They're doing it's a best a
3: of. It's a reprint of a special edition released in Japan.
1: Yeah. Oh, that makes, actually, that makes a lot of sense because Tokyopop released all that, Lu- almost all of Lupin's original run, all the Monkey Punch stuff, right? Question mark? Uh, D- I don't question don't mark for to the, <laughs> the Lupin
0: fan? As, about as much as they could afford to put out before. Yeah,
1: fair. <laughs>
0: it, that, it, that it didn't sell super well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like Rosa Versailles, right? That was, that was the white whale for many years.
1: Rosa Versailles. Yeah, we probably should have covered that one.
0: I'm going to bring it up, but I'm am af- <laughs> okay. I'm afraid I'm going to give it a little time be- before Chip gets over his feelings about me giving him B stars.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. now you've piqued my interest.
0: <laughs> I I got to I got to give him some candy before we give him some natto.
1: <laughs> yeah, <there you laughs> a <go>.
0: child <laughs>
1: a little bit. But in a good way In like the best way.
0: I I I think you'll be ready for it eventually.
2: Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm staying out of
0: this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you, it's it's even for me, it's a hard read.
4: All right. It's of
5: but its
0: I th- but I think it's an important read. So at some point we will bring it up. All right. And I think that's uh, I think that's it. We we talked a whole bunch about a bunch <laughs> of really important stuff. And thanks a lot. And we'll see you next time. This has been Manga Explaining episode 20. Thank you for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga St. Young Men by Hikaru Nakamura. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at ComicshopLocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at Mangasplaining.com. Thanks to D.A.D.S. for their musical accompaniment for this episode.